by your heads. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity again to come before you and to look at your word, study your word, and apply your word. Uh, Father God, also, we just ask that you help us to make these things relevant and to, Lord, be able to use these in helping to save and bring others to the knowledge of salvation in, in Christ Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you hear me okay in the back? He just changed the battery, so he said uh, maybe that's why it wasn't coming through clear. I don't know. All right, so this one is the dragon in the digital age, which is the second um, talk on the list here. Um, and so we'll go from here and start with Revelation chapter 12. The scripture says, and there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and it cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. The Bible goes on to say, and there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels, <clears throat> I knew I hit it one time too many, and there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceives the whole world, he was cast out onto the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. One of the powerful things that happened when Jesus died on the cross, when he came up, rose from the tomb, is that it sealed the devils be, being blocked out of heaven. And Satan, of course, wants his place in heaven back. His whole mission is to receive worship. When you understand that, you understand a lot about the popular culture and why the popular culture goes the way it goes. The devil and his angels want to be worshipped. They want to receive adoration. Um, and that's one side of it. The other side of it is, after Jesus rose from the tomb, the devil knew he lost. And there's only one thing the devil can actually do now to retaliate against God. Do you know what it is? It's us. The only way for him left for him to hurt God now is, would be to try and bring us to hell with him. And so the devil works tirelessly to accomplish those two goals. One, he still wants to be worshipped. And two, well, he, he never really got worship in heaven, but he thought he did. He was the, the, the covering cherub. He was, uh, you know, uh, the Bible says he was built with pipes and tabrets. He was, he was a music, living musical instrument, as it were. And so he sang God's praises. He led praise in heaven. And Lucifer confused leading praise in heaven and having that Shekinah glory of God bounce off of him and, and the angels see it and know he was in the presence of God. He confused that with him being worshipped. He began to believe he should exalt himself above the throne of the most high God. That's, what, that's how iniquity was initially found in him. But of course, the, um, Jesus wins this battle and he is tossed down to the ground. So the Bible goes on and it says, 
Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. <coughs> For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath. Because he knows that he has what? Short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. Now, this is the angels rejoicing in heaven. Heaven is happy because heaven has been cleansed. The devil has, no longer has access to heaven. But with that is a solemn warning to those on earth. Because he says the devil is angry. And it's something that the devil seems to get that a lot of us as Christians don't get. The devil understands he doesn't have a lot of time. It's interesting that a being who's existed, we don't know how many thousands and thousands of years, it's interesting that he understands the time is short. And those of us with only 70 years to live, 80, 90, 100 years to live, we think we have all the time in the world. The devil is mad because he realizes his time is short. He realizes his he has forfeited his immortality. His, if he had stayed with God, he would have lived forever. By rebelling against God, he's given away his immortality. And the devil is angry about that. He's, he's mad that he's been cast down. And so what does he do? And when, and when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. This is manifested, as we were saying, um, and um, the, the church being represented as a woman, this is manifested with all of the terrible persecution that happened to the early Christian church. And many of us have no clue how terrible that really was. Burned at the stake, set in, in, in front of crowds and amphitheaters and the forum, the Colosseum, Wild animals let loose on them. Um, uh, gladiators let loose on them. Um, the, the Roman emperors would cheer along with the bloodthirsty crowd. As sometimes they were ripped to pieces. Many of them, as they were burned at the stake, they sang hymns as they, until they burned till they couldn't sing anymore. He was that angry that he went after the church in a way he never had before. Because when is, with Israel, he was always trying to dilute Israel, water down Israel, beat Israel that way. When he realized he had no more chance to get back to heaven, it's almost as if he turned to just pure destruction of the church. The problem the devil had, and you got to get this if you understand the dragon's war on the remnant, he realized the more he persecuted the church, the more it grew. And that confounded the enemy. He could not figure out how do you beat them if the more I persecute them, the stronger they become. And that is one of the reasons why his tactics today are not openly um, persecutory, even though I believe he will clearly return to this method through the, through the Roman church. So Revelation 12 also says, unto the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time of times and half a time from the face of the serpent, which you talked about last um, session. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood and the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood with the dragon cast out of his mouth. And what I want to focus on here is this flood. Out of the mouth came a flood. This is bigger than the persecution. Because at some point the devil realized he had to change his tactics, and he tried to water down, dilute truth, 
This is where Constantine comes into it, as we're going to talk about later. All of a sudden, he realized he had to change his tactics, and he tried to send out water out of his mouth, a flood. And it's not really water, a flood of lies, deception, delusion to try and destroy the church at the time. Now, one of the um, most important um, principles, and I can, and I can quote um, Ellen G. White in The Great Controversy, because Ellen G. White is very strongly confirmed by Roger Minot's book here. <coughs> and I remember when I first read The Great Controversy many years ago, and reading in The Great Controversy, uh, Satan had this, had like a, a um, powwow with all of his leaders and came up with a strategy to try and destroy the world. And it seemed so far-fetched and crazy almost when you're reading, especially as a young person. I was amazed when years later I, I stumbled upon this book um, and then later on even saw the interview, which I'm going to quote from on the next few slides, and found where Roger Minot, as a demon worshiper, and I don't know if you know the story of Roger Minot, I just got Cyril Gross's book too, so I'm going to read that when I get back home. But Roger Minot was a demon worshiper. He came out of the merchant navy. He, um, when he came out, he didn't really know what he was going to do with his life. He was raised Catholic. Um, and one of his friends got him, into, got him to go to a seance. And when he went to the seance, he was blown away. He'd never seen anything like it. A real ghost showed up. A real demon showed up. But they thought it was the ghost of a dead person. And he went away. And one of the, the rich man who actually introduced him to this, the rich man said, look, there's no power in that. I just bring my wife here because it comforts her so she can see her, you know, her dead sister. But those aren't really people. Those are demons. The, the demon worshiper was telling him those aren't really people. They're demons. So he said, if you want real power, come with me and I'll show you the source of real power. And he took them to where they worship the demons. And that's how Roger Reno got into real demon worship. And a lot of interesting things from the book. Um, I won't go into all of them, but one of the interesting things is that he was given a gift. He was given the gift to be able to predict the horse races. And so at night he would sleep and dream. And while he was dreaming, the horses that were going to win the next day would come into his mind. He would go to the horse track the next day and win every single race, no matter how much he bet on them. And he was winning so much that he even gives the story in his, in his um, interview that the, the mobsters that ran these horse races were like threatening to kill him after a while. Because he's you know, like, wait a minute, how can, you don't look like you even know horses. How can you be winning all this stuff? Which gives you the precedent that the devil, when he, to win people over, the devil gives them gifts. He gives them special powers. He gives them favor. One of the things Roger Minot says, and this sets up this session well, he talks about the fact that in Montreal at the time, he's French-Canadian, in Montreal at the time, he says that the jazz artists that would worship at the place with him and all the doctors and lawyers, these were the most successful people in Montreal. And all of their success came from the fact that they worshipped the devil. Now, I'm going to jump, kind of cut to the chase on this one. The more I study and read, I realize that there are people in America and around the world who the reason for their fame, their wealth, their influence, their stardom is their connection to Satan. In fact, the scripture says that the devil is the prince of this world. Um, I mean, there's a lot of texts that show, even when he takes Jesus, remember, he takes him up onto a high place and says, look, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this and shows him the kingdoms of the world. In essence, when Adam sinned, he gave all of that over to the enemy. Christ won it back at the cross and at the, and at the resurrection, but Christ has not come to get it yet. If you get what I mean, he's coming to get it. He's going to get on a white horse and he's coming and he's, he's going to take everything back that's his. But in the meantime, 
The devil still has the ability to give in this world things away for allegiance. The same thing he accused God of doing for Job, the devil does for his people. Don't miss that point because that will answer why one person becomes a big time celebrity superstar and another person doesn't. In fact, the person with the most talent isn't the biggest star. And Roger Minow says that about one of the big, um, uh, um, uh, big bands of that day. I forget what they call them, but it's, it's not a jazz band, but they used to have the big bands back then. And the, the guy, he was saying that that guy wasn't even the best one in Montreal, yet he was the most popular and the most wealthy, the most successful. And the guy told him, you cannot make it in this world unless you give some allegiance to the spirits. And I've given, I've talked about, on, I mean, you listen to our stuff on Audioverse, I talk about how Denzel Washington says he prays to the spirits. Denzel Washington on Oprah Winfrey. I don't have it on this talk. But um, Oprah Winfrey asked Denzel Washington in the movie Glory, which is one of the better movies made on the Civil War, um, and one of the black um, battalions that were used to fight. And there's a scene in the movie where Denzel Washington, a, a, a former slave, is whipped by... Um, one of the, uh, um, the, the, the captains or generals from the north, and he, one, he has one, just one tear comes down his face. It's, cinematography is phenomenal. I mean, it's just a climax for the movie. Oprah Winfrey asked Denzel Washington, how did you do that scene? Denzel Washington says, I was in my trailer before I went out to do the scene, and I prayed. I said, so Oprah Winfrey was shocked. Like, you prayed? Wow. Okay, did you have to kneel down to pray? He said, no, you can stand, whatever, you can pray. She said, oh, okay. And he says, yeah, I prayed to the spirits of the dead slaves. And he said, as he was leaving the trailer, he said to the spirits of the dead slaves, come on, roll with me. And you can go on YouTube and it's on YouTube. you can find it and watch it for yourself. It's amazing. So he goes out. And he does this scene, and what he does is he literally channels these dead spirits. Roger Minot says that when historians in Montreal would want to find out what Napoleon did or what some other great historical figure did, they would go to these spirit leaders and have them channel the spirits of these dead people so that they could get straight word as to what really happened. And the demons can completely and perfectly imitate the real person. And the first time I heard about this was when Denzel Washington was making the movie Malcolm X. And when he was doing Malcolm X, there's a scene where he does this long speech by Malcolm X. But they say when they stopped rolling the cameras, he gave a whole entire another speech by Malcolm X. And Spike Lee, who was the director, and some of the other people said, did you study that speech? That speech isn't in the movie. And Denzel Washington said, I never even read that speech before in my life. And verbatim, he says one of Malcolm X's speeches. Why? Because he had been trying to channel the spirit of Malcolm X. But we all know Malcolm X is dead. He's asleep in the grave. So he was channeling demons. So Roger Minot's book really helps to explain a lot of that. A Trip into the Supernatural really does a good job of making you understand that in this age of technology, the devil really had a lot of work to do. So what did the devil do? Well, You look here and it says, first we'll look at the great general council. This is Roger Minot being interviewed and they, they probably filled in a bit. Um, and you can get the interview still at the ABC bookstores. Um, they have the, the, the live interviews by Doug Batchelor and, an, and another group that did it. First we look at the great, the great general council. At the beginning of the 1700s, said the high priest, 
This is the high priest speaking to Roger Murnau. Lucifer and all his spirit counselors throughout the world held a great general council with one purpose in mind. It was to prepare for the great industrial age which was soon to break upon the world. And they also foresaw another age that was to follow the industrial age. Where, uh, where tremendous scientific discoveries would be made by people and the world would enter into a unique age that would change the way that everyone lives. The devil understood what was going to happen and the devil himself began to prepare for the technology we now enjoy. CNN was talking about this decade and they were talking about how in one decade, how fast man's technology and information has moved forward. Ten years ago, what were cell phones like? Ten years ago, how many people were really on the internet as much as they are now? Never mind if you go back 20 years ago. There was nobody on the internet except the military. So rapidly, the devil understood how quickly the world was going to change, that you'd have digital music downloads one day. His ability to influence the world would be like it had never been ever in time, especially not since the Tower of Babel where the whole world spoke one language. In essence, he was getting that power back through technology. So Lucifer also understand that these changes would also usher in the end times of the close of the great controversy. Lucifer understands that, he says. The, the high priest is saying, you know, basically saying, and Roger Bernard is translating it out here, between the force of good and evil, the priest said that Lucifer had been studying the Bible and he found Daniel 12, 4, uh, where we are told about the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. <coughs> He understood it to be that they were get, uh, getting to that point and he with all the spirit counselors now needed to change their modes of operation in order to better ensnare people and devise a way whereby people were, would disqualify themselves from being members of Christ's coming kingdom. So they came up with a plan to get people to disqualify themselves from being saved. So he then says, Roger Minot, it's a picture of Roger Minot there, um, that there are three things the devil wanted to do. Three things the devil wanted to do through this council, what he was saying he was going to do. This is the dragon's war on the remnant, remember. He was going to use science and reason to do away with any belief in the devil himself. The first thing the devil realized was if he was going to beat people, he had to get them to not believe in him first. Because if you realize you have an enemy, what do you do? You prepare for him. If you think there's really an enemy out there, you're going to change the way you live. If you go to school every day and there's a bully, you go to school differently. The best thing the bully can do if he really wants to beat up on you is to act like he's your friend and wait till your guard is down and then whoop you. The devil tried to get everybody to get their guard down. So in Paris and in France, he, that beast that comes out of the abyss, um, thank you, um, my good, good friend Ivor Myers has a brilliant message on that. This beast, the beast that comes up and how it is reason itself and reason comes on the scene as, um, against all that God is doing. The French Revolution kicks in and all of a sudden all of the palm readers and all of the magicians, everybody is swept out of Paris because the devil wanted to do this. He wanted people to no longer believe he actually existed. First step. Second, he wanted to institute mind control through hypnotism. This he did by raising up, the devil himself raised up, Franz Mesmer, a German a physician. Many people call him a charlatan, but that's where we get the, the English word mesmerize and mesmerism. 
He brought him up and he was hypnotized and mind controlled. And it wasn't very long before they were able to do that. By the time Mesmer was dead, they were using hypnotism as a means of doing anesthesia. And what they did is they took hypnotism from spiritualism, from, 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 from witchcraft, basically, and made it a science. That's why sometimes you got to be careful. You know, we're all into the health message. I see a lot of Seventh-day Adventists get off into that stuff and wind up going down this primrose path and come back worshiping flowers and stuff. You got to be careful because the devil will keep pushing. He'll push you in whatever direction he needs to. Here's all this alternative medicine in the, in, outside of Adventism. When you get into that stuff, it has a basis in spiritualism, a lot of it. I mean, I remember I had a, a, one, one of my aunts married this guy, and he was teaching my cousin how to do Reiki, the Japanese witchcraft, and you rub your hands. I don't even know what he did. And you rub your hands, they get hot, and you place it on people and heal them. I said, man, if you touch me, don't you touch me after you rub your hands like that. So this mind control through hypnotism was a big one. And you're going to see that in the digital age, the devil's ability to hypnotize has been manifested in ways that are unbelievable. For example, a movie like Avatar. I've not seen the movie, but I've seen the commercials. I've read the, the, the stuff on it. And basically, um, uh, I think his name was James Cameron, is the director. He had to wait 10 years to make the movie because the technology didn't exist 10 years ago. And you go in there and you're just, people are so spellbound. They say that it doesn't even have a plot. But the, the special effects are so much that you're hypnotized for two hours and 40 minutes. You sit in there and as if time just doesn't exist. And one of the signs that you hypnotize is that you lose track of time. So that technology has really been able to help out with. And then the last one here, evolution as a means of burning the Bible without ever touching the Bible. Evolution is, and I don't really get into evolution in this talk, but evolution is probably Satan's crown jewel of deception. He has swept so many people into the ranks of delusion by getting them to believe in evolution. This is why at one of our universities on the West Coast right now, one of our Adventist universities, there's a lot of debate and discussion over whether or not it's being taught in the classrooms. Um, I've read this a little bit about it, but I can tell you I know people who went, you know, were in school at Loma Linda the same time I were, and PhDs and went back to go get jobs at Loma Linda who believe in evolution. They do not believe in a literal six-day creation. I know people, I know the person myself. So this one is powerful because the problem with that is if, you, if, you, if God didn't really create the world in six days, why do you keep a Sabbath? Instantaneously, there's no reason for the seven-day Sabbath. If it took him six, 60 million years or how many, you know, and you know that's the trick to evolution. It doesn't make any sense except if you just wait long enough, it'll evolve. Just keep waiting. Millions and millions and millions. And you got to think about it. If you need sight, and if you read any good book on evolution, if you need sight today to fight the Tyrannosaurus Rex chasing you, as the evolutionist would say, and it takes, you know, two million years for the sight to develop, how did you survive while you were evolving your eyes? It doesn't make any sense because you didn't have sight just like that according to evolution. It's the most complex neurological function your brain has, is to see. So it couldn't have just come on the scene like that. But statistically speaking, evolution, in fact, in the book, he says the, 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 the um, well, let me give you the statistic first. Statistically speaking, they say that the world evolving and being as perfect as it is today, which it is not perfect today as it was when it was created, 
the statistical chance is like a tornado hitting a junkyard and assembling a fully functional car with gas in the tank, keys in the ignition, and the car is running. How many millions of years would you wait for that tornado to come and do that? You'd wait forever because it would never happen. Same thing with the world. It would never evolve like that. And he says that Mesmer as well as Darwin were personally tutored by Satan. Especially he says Darwin. Were personally tutored by, by the devil when they were children. And he says that Darwin was able to be done that way because he was hypnotized as a child. So you got to be careful what you expose children to. And you're going to see that the devil hypnotizes children through television. We'll talk about that in a second. So Roger Minot gives you these three warnings. I'm going to focus most on the second one um, for our talk. Um, and he says, they discussed how hypnotism would prove to be a powerful tool to de-Christianize the Western world through the avenue of mysticism. Later, uh, the time did come when Lucifer decided he had to choose a person to initiate this masterly de deception. Franz Mesmer, who was a prominent Austrian physician, was chosen because he was considered the most capable. Mesmer originated a theory called animal magnetism. Later on called mesmerism. According to the high priest, Mesmer was led by the spirits to believe that certain persons have a magnetic influence within themselves, so to speak, that would cause them to have great power over other persons, even to the point of placing them into a trance. So he, doesn't, he isn't credited with being the one who actually creates hypnosis, but Franz Mesmer is the one that sets it all up, and mesmerism is still something we talk about to this day. And the enemy literally set him up to do this. So, in essence, the idea was to use the animal magnetism to have certain people receive worship. Have certain people who the devil would say their people are drawn to these people, have them receive worship on behalf of the fallen angels while corrupting the very moral fabric of the society in general and even of the Bible-believing church. And it worked like a charm, literally. What the devil did was he realized that if you combine this teaching, you can get people who, you can elevate people through to celebrity, have people be drawn to them, and while people are drawn to them in worship, have the people they're drawn to Destroy all of their moral fabric. And it worked on America like a charm and the world now. I'll give you some examples. Well, before I give you an example, let me, let me talk about the television set itself. So when you place a child in front of a television set, it reduces, out, and it does this to all of us, by the way, reduces alpha waves. And alpha waves, whenever alpha waves in your brain are reduced, it is a sign that your brain isn't fully awake. So they did electroencephalogram, EEGs, the same thing we do to test for seizures in the hospital. Um, and they, they, this one scientist hooked it up. And it's from, this is from the movie. Um, you can get this information from a movie called The Tube. This guy does a documentary. If you go to www.turnoffyourtv.com, I think it is. But if you just type into Google, kill your TV, it comes up. Um, and it, but it, there's a whole movie, a documentary done on the effects of TV from a few years back. It reduces alpha waves, so it says if you're in like a, a hypnotic type of state, um, produces a sleep-wake-like state, um, it is transmitted light and not reflected. So even when you go to movie theater, the light is coming from a projector like this, and you're getting reflected light. When, with a television, you actually are the screen. So not only do you have to deal with the content, it's also the actual way that you're getting the information also affects you. 
Because the light is, is brand new light coming to you. It's not reflected off of anything. And there's one scientist thought that that made a difference. And it's a cheap and easy way to change your mood in that sense. It is similar to cocaine. Now, not just cocaine, because a lot of things change your mood. Alcohol, that's why people become addicted. Uh, initially, most people become addicted because they're seeking a way to quickly change their mood. That's why people can get addicted to sexual sin. They can get addicted to drug substances. You know, you can become a fanatic of sports because if that thing, when you get involved with it, if you're not feeling good that day and you get involved with that thing and it changes your mood and you feel better, you're going, what are you going to do the next time you don't feel good? You're going to go back. Television is a cheap, easy way to do that. You don't feel good, you turn on friends. You laugh at their fake, unrealistic life. <laughs> right? You don't feel good, you turn on the Cosby show and wish you had you know, the kind of life they have. I mean, it can quickly cause you to change how you feel. You don't feel good, you can watch a football game, a basketball, a soap opera. Have mercy. And so it is one of the things, one of the reasons why people go back to TV. And that's one of the reasons why I personally, I try to watch some news. Um, I might watch some sports. But in general, I don't like people get into these movies, these series like Lost and um, I don't even some of the, I don't even know what, which other ones are out, but I don't get into those anymore. When I was younger, I did. I mean, you know, I was in Connecticut. You couldn't go outside for months at a time. So we watched TV, but it, because every night you'd be dying to get home to watch it. You'd stop what you were doing to go see that show or whatever it was. And I don't like something controlling me like that. So I, I try, you know, I try not to even let it. That's why I try. That's where I can get stuff done. But it's, it's real. The reality is, you know, television isn't in. It's just a device. And it's the same television that you can send three ABN through. You know what I mean? So it can't have a purpose. It's just you do have to understand that this is a powerful weapon. And the devil saw this coming and he began to mastermind. Wait a minute. I can have people worship one person and project their image and their sound all over the world through TV waves and radio waves. Of course, now it's far more complicated with satellite, Internet, cable, blase, blase, blah. At the end of the day, what the devil really wants, he has. He can elevate one person and the whole world will worship that one person. And then what? Then the demon just occupies that person and the demon or the devil can actually receive worship. They can get back what they wanted, what they lost, what the devil never was able to achieve in heaven. This is the very root of popular culture in the United States. Don't miss that. This is what you battle when you try and tell people how bad secular music is. I won't get to gospel yet. Or, or contemporary Christian music, because that, that's another level. This is, the, the, at a fundamental level, what most people listen to in this country is rooted in the principle that the enemy wants worship. And while you're worshiping him, he wants to destroy and, and corrupt you morally. This comes from Aleister Crowley. I have whole sections on that and on this, how he wrote in the Satanic Bible about sex magic and all these different things and writing backwards and living backwards and all this kind of stuff. And how Aleister Crowley was later on the big, uh, you know, um, admired by the Beatles um, and even Franklin Delano Roosevelt and others. And Aleister Crowley says he was the beast, 666. Even his mother called him the beast. He was a big Satanist. And yet he is the one who influences much of the popular culture in the United States. Songs like Stairway to Heaven, and you play it backwards and it's a praise and worship song to the devil, um, Hotel California, all these songs and all of this stuff is really 
Again, the devil trying to seek worship. And one of the things the devil has to do is signal you as to who you're really worshiping. And that's why they do the, these, these symbols like this, you know, rock concerts. All of that is so that, you, so that people are recognizing who's being worshipped. Because this is a symbol of bafflement. The half male, half female, half man, half goat being that was worshipped in ancient Rome and Greece. And bafflement is still worshipped. So these symbols mean something because they show you where your worship is actually going. So people go into these concerts and they're all waving their hands and they're rocking on. Bafflement. The devil is telling you who you're actually worshiping because he wants to be worshiped. And it doesn't count if you don't recognize you're worshiping him. And this is why when Dr. Pippin does these talks on um, spiritualism in the church, I'm frightened when the church starts to do the same stuff. Giant concerts and everybody's hands are doing the same thing. And because the devil doesn't mind if you worship him in church. He just wants to be worshiped. So when you look at it, <coughs> by doing this, he was able to create American Idols. I don't think it's a coincidence that the name of that show is American Idol. Relatively, completely unknown people are put on that show. Marginally talented most of the time. Because you know the people who can't sing, they just put them on there to make fools out of them, I think. Um, marginally talented or, or very talented. And within a few weeks, the whole country's rooting for them. They're celebrities, and they haven't even done anything. But it goes back to the real American idols. It goes back to people like Elvis Presley, who sings a lot of Christian songs, but they find out later on was really not much of a Christian at all. Um, Marilyn Monroe, who they say committed suicide, the conspiracy theorists say something else. I focus on the Beatles because the Beatles on their Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts album, Sgt. Pepper, something Sgt. Pepper, um, they actually have a picture of Alistair Crowley. I should have put that up there. On the album cover, in the crowd. Signaling again who to, where the worship is going. That's why John Lennon sang the, sang the, um, the song um, Imagine There's No Heaven and all this. I mean, he's basically, again, telling you where the worship's going. And he's singing the song to begin the process of destroying the fabric of morality in, the, in this country and around the world. And it worked like a charm. You know how different morally the United States was before these people? The idea of a girl having a child outside of wedlock would have been unheard of. Homosexuality, I mean, drugs, prostitution, I mean, gambling. None of that These things were taken and made popular while people worshipped these individuals. And because even Christians wind up becoming fans of these idols, even the Christians change the way they view things. Even our worldview is twisted because our celebrity, our favorite celebrity views the world differently. And the devil has done a brilliant job using these people to do that. Now, I put this up there to give you an example of what happens when you mess around with the devil too long. <laughs> Michael Jackson from he was a child just like Mesmer, just like Darwin, from he was a child, he was in the spotlight. He was elevated. He was worshipped. He tells stories about the, how the girls chased him and his brothers um, and what they would do to get with his brother because he was the youngest one. He usually didn't get a girl. But um, he talks about that. And Michael Jackson, I mean, I, could do a whole, I can do a whole thing on Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson clearly 
in my opinion, went over to worshiping the devil. I can tell you that by the lyrics to his own songs, not played backwards, played forwards. And he, Michael Jackson is the one who wrote, him and Lionel Richie wrote the song, um, We Are the World. And it's in the, in the song, We Are the World, that Michael Jackson says, or whoever, or him or Lionel Richie writing, it says, like God has shown us by changing stone to bread, it's true we make a better day, just you and me. Now, so you go back to the Bibles, the book of Mark, Jesus is hungry, 40 days fasting. Did Jesus change the stone to bread? He didn't change stone to bread. Had he changed the stone to bread, what would have happened? We'd all be lost. We wouldn't be here. So when they say that, who, why are they saying it? Because that's what the church of Satan teaches. You get it? They teach that you, they, we've got the story all wrong. They teach that you should have sympathy for the devil, as AC, one of ACDC um, big hit songs was. We should have sympathy for the devil. That's what that is. And when the devil gets people, he contorts them. He tries to destroy them. So Elvis doesn't die, this slim, handsome man. Does he? He dies way overweight, a drug addict, messed up, ugly, slothful looking thing. Michael Jackson dies on propofol. Propofol. Propofol is what you use to put people to sleep for anesthesia and not for surgery. You're not asleep technically. <coughs> but the reason he does it is because he basically is telling you what the spiritual gift the devil gave him was. Just like when Roger Minot would sleep and, the, and Roger Minot in his book says that he would be given which horses would win the next day. Michael Jackson says that when he was asleep, he would be given his hit records. The whole song and his mother interviewed after his death says he would get up in the middle of the night and he would just write the entire song out. Just, just he wouldn't have to think about it, just write it out. So he became desperate to sleep seeking the next hit. So when he couldn't sleep anymore, he actually hired someone to tr try and put him to sleep through anesthesia in hopes that he would get the next hit. And in his effort to stay asleep so long or so deep, and the doctor probably falling asleep as well, he died. Looking for, there's, a, there's an actual god, a, a god, an ancient Greek god of sleep that would deliver things. And that's what he was trying to get this god to come and show up and give him this thing in his sleep. And Michael, and it, it didn't work that last time. It worked a lot of times before. And that's what happened. It's the same thing that happens to Jay-Z. Jay-Z is the rapper, and this is Beyonce, his wife. Jay-Z says he doesn't write any of his songs. He doesn't have to write anything. He just, write, he just goes in the studio and can just say them. Bill Moore, who to me is another one who clearly worships the devil, and he made the movie Religious, which is basically a satanic manifesto against faith in general, Bill Maher, when Jay-Z was on his show, he took a big notebook of all of Jay-Z's lyrics and threw it down and said, how can you actually do this? How can you write all of this? I mean, how can you do this off the top of your head? Pages, of, I mean, Jay-Z's probably got 10 or 12 albums by now. How could you do it? I can tell you how he can do it, because if you go back to Roger Minow's books, when you pledge allegiance to the devil, he gives you gifts. He gives you dance moves. He gives you whatever you need. And here's Beyonce, who you can see here, she has Baphomet on, her, on the handlebars of this bicycle thing she's, she's holding. And this is Sasha Fierce. So she says she's not really Beyonce when she's on stage and performing. She becomes Sasha Fierce. Let me, let me warn you. Somebody becomes somebody else is usually a problem. Because you shouldn't be having enough time to be yourself. Being yourself ought to be enough. 
But when you have to become somebody named Sasha Fierce, that's pretty much a sign you're in trouble. And so she becomes Sasha Fierce. And again, if you look at the lyrics to the songs going forwards, the songs, again, break down all moral standing. Whether it's Michael Jackson's, hers, they all break down. They go against marriage. They go towards cheap love, free sex, one night stands, um, you know, drinking when it comes to hip hop music, rap music. All of that stuff is all wrapped up in it, and it goes back to the devil. That's why when you look at Jay-Z, he, he, he I mean, I didn't put his pictures up here, but he has um, a picture of himself wearing a shirt with the one commandment of the church of Satan. Do as thou wilt. The church of Satan, when they wrote, when, when, uh, when um, Antoine Levy wrote the Bible for the church of Satan, there's only one commandment. It is do as thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. And that is what Jay-Z the most popular rapper in the United States right now, wears on his shirt. The dragon's war on the remnant partly is that all around us, the world is going to become more and more satanic. All around us, the floor is going to drop. And the difference between us, I was talking about being peculiar last time, but not weird. The difference between us and the world is going to get exasperated. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger as the world becomes more dark. As the spirit of God is withdrawn from this earth, the enemy is going to do more and more and more. And you can see, but when you look at this, just look at what these people are doing. I mean, on the cover of his um, the Dangerous album, he has a picture of, of Aleister Crowley, Michael Jackson. And people, people worshipped him. So deep is the worship of Michael Jackson that the devil used it to have the Pope announce his plan for a one-world economic system while the whole world was wondering after this beast at his death. While everybody focused on Michael Jackson's death and all the TV cameras were on him and all the news things were on how he died and why he died and on his memorial service, the Pope announces in the middle of the economic crisis, Rome should be the center of a new financial um, way for the entire world. And most people never heard the proclamation because they were too busy mourning the death of the prince or the king of pop. He's the king of pop. The devil will use all this technology, the ability to download all this stuff instantly to an iPod and carry it around. Um, you know, easy access to pornographic things. All of that the devil will use. And so this is the, a book of magic. This is Jay-Z and Rick Rubin from De who helped start Def Jam Records. And as he's going in the studio to make this, this is what's sitting there. Magic is a big part of the popular culture. This is why when Ezra was in, when we were talking about Ezra last session, Ezra says, do not mix with the people of this world. Don't mix with the tribes around you. They are an abomination. They're unclean. So you got to be careful because if you start mixing with these people, literally what God hates a whole lot is magic. And you mix with them and literally when they go into the studios, they put spells on their songs. The guy who used to be one of the lead singers for the group um, um, Color Me Bad, who had the song I Want to Sex You Up, um, is now a pastor. He became a Christian and I think he's still a pastor. But he gave a testimony that when they went to make the song... Um, I want to sex you up. They brought witches into the studio and put a curse on the song so that when uh, young girls heard the song who were still virgins, it would give those girls the courage to give up their virginity. A curse was placed on the song. He says he didn't believe it was, you know, they thought it was like a joke when he saw it happening. He says, but when 
the song shot to number one in the United States and in Europe, Australia, number one song in almost the whole world. He says, all of a sudden, baskets of fan letters began to come back to them with little girls thanking them for making the song because it gave them the courage to give up their virginity. The dragon in the technological era can now have magic sent around the world by high-speed internet. Because this is powerful stuff. Again, you got to look through the veil beyond what you can just see and touch into another realm where you're dealing with supernatural powers that we don't even fully understand. And of course, there's Harry Potter. And this, the, the guy who acts and does this part now is so popular, it's ridiculous. And now they got this Twilight thing. I was on a plane and they showed that, you know, the plane where they, the movie just shows over your head. I'm like, how could they show this? People should be scared. Like, you know, real scary vampire movie. They show it on the plane and it's like, I, I think it's a little weird that they would show it. Twilight is the biggest thing now. And what is the devil going to do? He's going to continue to put out these magical, mystical stories that destroy Christianity. In essence, this destroys Christianity. It is anti-Christian. In fact, the, 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 the only people in this whole series that would have been represented as Christian would have been his adopted parents, who are the bad guys of the whole series, in essence, because they're the ones who mistreat him. And that's another thing Hollywood does. It makes sure to what? Portray Christians in a horrible light, usually. Christianity is always looking bad. And so this guy, I mean, this, and this movement it was so big that there were kids, um, the, the, um, I forget the author's name, um, J.K. Rowling's. She was getting letters from children all over the world asking her how they could be admitted into the Hogwarts School of Magic. <laughs> there is no Hogwarts School of Magic. It's make-believe. It's a movie. And when she would write them back and tell them, the kids were angry. What do you mean there's no school? I want to go to the school. <laughs> That's how powerful these mediums are. And the reason this is relevant to those of us who are in the remnant is because when you go now to deal, when we go now out into communities to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, I warn you, you're going to be dealing with more and more supernatural manifestation. You're going to be dealing with people who are dealing with demons, who are struggling with stuff because they've been overly influenced by magic in a way that just wasn't as open 15, 20, 30 years ago. And I can tell you I've seen it. I mean, I went, I went to one lady's house the same church, actually. <laughs> we went to go do communion with a, a, a sick and shut-in member. And it was kind of odd because I noticed all the elders were telling me to go, but none of them wanted to go. And I should have raised a red flag right there. And the, the pastor wanted to go. So it was myself, the pastor, and one other guy. The, 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 the older pastor actually had a, um, he was retired, but he still did some evangelism work. He had a Mercedes. He's like, I'm not driving my Mercedes over in that neighborhood. We're getting in another pastor's Honda. I said, what, what is, where are we going? Beirut? You know, so I get in the car and on the way over there now, they, well, first of all, the guy hands me this giant bottle of olive oil. Not a you know, you're supposed to like anoint people. I figure you just need a little bit of olive oil. They give me like a big bottle of olive oil. I'm like, what's that about? I mean, we can cook a whole bunch of stuff with this thing. So I get in the car and on the way over there now, they start telling me, yeah, this is the lady that was possessed and... She chased, and the, and the pastor said, you know, they, she chased me out of the apartment the last time I was there, and the demon, <laughs> I'm in the back seat, can't get out, strapped in, demon, possessed, 
chased. Listen, I'm, I'm not in Scooby-Doo's gang, dude. Let me out. <laughs> so we get over there, and I'm like really ready for like, at this point, I'm looking for like a super soaker of olive oil. I'm ready to lock and load. <laughs> at least the demon will slip. I get away, right? And so we go over there, and you know, you go into the, I go into the house, and it's like the lady's calm, her husband's calm. We start talking, and the first thing she does is apologize for when she was possessed the previous time and chased the pastor around and ran him out of the house. You know, I stayed by the door the whole time. But she said she had to literally go away and hide and deal with this demon. She had to go and pray and so on and so forth. It was deep. And she said the reason she got possessed was because, I'm getting off the subject a little bit, but it was because these deliverance ministries came to her. Adventist people that claimed to do deliverance ministry. She wasn't possessed. And they came to deliver her from a demon and a demon went in her is what she said. You know, I, it's not smart to play with the devil. And they were playing with the devil. So this, and this is some of the stuff Dr. Pippen speaks a lot about. It's spiritualism when you start, you know, you go in a room, they'll come into a room like this and be like, you know, some of you have the demon of this, and you have the demon of that, and you have the demon. Well, you don't actually have a demon. Maybe you got a bad habit. You see what I'm saying? And instead, they, they, now you start opening yourself up to demonic influence. But this stuff, when we now as the remnant church are going to be going out, you're going to have to be very prayed up. You're going to have to be very, because you're not going, the world is changing fast. And I can give you other stories about dealing with similar things. I went to do a Bible study at one house. The, um, a group at Loma Linda was going out into San Bernardino doing work. And we went to one house and the, and the young lady they were doing the Bible studies with lived there with her family and her brothers and everybody. And she was saying that at night sometimes they hear stuff come on and off and stuff floats around the house. What? I'm floating around the house, and they want me to go do Bible study. So we went, and she said it's because her brothers are doing drugs in the house and because they watch all of the most recent devilish, demonic movies in the house. And she believes that the house was possessed, and you're going to be dealing with some different stuff nowadays. And not that it wasn't always there, but this, this stuff has opened up a whole can of worms. And a lot of people don't want to admit that it exists. But it's real. And you, you can never, because I, this is, you, I pull this off of YouTube. You can actually go watch this yourself. And the camera pans onto the Book of Magic as Jay-Z goes into the studio. I didn't make it up. You, you can YouTube it. So it's, it's real. And you know, and I mean, Jay-Z is one who wants worship. He says, he says he's the return of the God. He calls himself God. He says, I am Jehovah God MC. And he has everybody put their hands up and say H to the Izzo V. That's worship. And why is it that what's happening? Because the devil wants worship. I will ascend and take my throne and put it above the throne of the most high God. He wants accolade and worship. And we have to be careful. And this is one of the reasons why we have to be careful when we bring in the styles of the world into the church. Because just, just like he wants worship through him, it's no difference when you get a Holy hip hop, Christian hip hop guy come in and he's doing the exact same thing. He may be saying different words, but if his actions are identical, how do we know that the devil doesn't just piggyback on him? Same with Christian rock. You got to be real careful that you're not setting up the exact same environment um, that we're trying to get away from. And you can see here in this picture, this is a U2 concert. Look at the people. I mean, this is 
insane. I don't know how many tens of thousands of people are there, and you can see them here with the sign of Baphomet, asking for demonic power and presence. And what does he think the church? You think the church responds differently? The church, when we do stuff now, is exactly what it looks like. Joel Osteen's church, we'll talk about Joel Osteen later on, and those guys, their churches are, ex are stadium churches. Everybody wants a gigantic crowd now. They want accolades. And guess what? The devil can possess people who profess to be preachers just like he can bottle of you too. And this is why the remnant has to be very careful because we're tempted to want these, by being human, you want that, act, you want it. And you have to be careful. We all have to be careful to stay humble because the devil will give this to you if he can destroy you. Matthew 7 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which be, be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. The, one of the things that the remnant has to remember is that numbers work backwards when you're dealing with salvation. The crowd, by default, is going the wrong way. And sometimes when I'm listening to some of my other Adventist pastors, and they, they, I mean, this, this cry for a mega church that I hear some of them talk about, they don't understand that according to the scripture, you're not supposed to want 30,000 people listening to one person. And that's what you have, because this, once you get these big mob crowd things, it's actually the opposite. It's a small, narrow way, and few there be that find it. In fact, one of the signs, if you want another sign that the remnant church, we are the remnant church, is our numbers. There are not a billion of us. If there were a billion of us, there'd be a problem. Because the Bible says only a few people are going to find this way. And I'm convinced that God pulls people, leads people, reaches people where they are, sends them to satellite 3ABN in countries where they could never actually hear somebody come and preach. He brings them to the gospel, links them into us, and that's how a lot of people are found, and the few are found from all around the globe. And God will continue to do his work of redemption in these last days. But the idea that there should be some gigantic mob movement and everybody should jump on board isn't biblical. All right, that's it. I think we're just about out of time. Um, let's pray and close this session, and then we'll start up again at 2.30, I think. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your truth. And Lord, even in this age of technology and digital advancement, let us, Father God, never walk away from you because of the lures of this sinful world. Instead, Father God, let us put on the whole armor. And Father God, let us keep the shield of faith and the sword of the word of God. Let us keep on, Lord, the helmet of salvation and gird up our loins in truth. Because, Father God, we are your soldiers in this weary land. And, Father God, we want to just follow the orders of our general. We want to do what you would have us to do, Lord. And we want, Lord, to bring victory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll see you later. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. 
or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.